I'm sure a lot of you out there, when you, when things go really well, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. The devil, the evil, the demons, they feed off anxiety. And the anxiety is something that's been, it's a lie, which has been instilled into you from previous trauma. I'm, I'm human too. You know, I have rough weeks. I have rough emotional weeks. I have rough mental weeks. And uh, this was one of them. Who deals with depression and anxiety and who has been in an abusive relationship, they can recognize these things. You can see that in somebody else. Iron sharpens iron, but man sharpens man. Welcome to another episode of Men in Your Life, Unapologetically Human, five weeks later. But we're here. We're all here. We're back. We're doing the damn thing. We're ready to do this. I think we're ready to do this. I don't know. What do you think, Brady? Um, I've, I've been ready to do this. Um, the, the, the gap is, is mostly because of me. As a matter of fact, the last two weeks I've, I have had every intention of recording by myself and I just, I couldn't get into it. I just couldn't. But, uh, five weeks later we are back. Um, you, you look beautiful and glowing as always. Thanks. Um, Um, no, it's uh, it, I mean, we had good reason to, to be gone. Well, at least Dan did. I didn't, but you know, um, Dan, uh, had an addition to the family. Yeah. We had some, uh, life changes going on here. We had a baby girl and, um, she is healthy and she is loud and she's crying and I can hear her in the other room right now as probably my wife's uh, eyes are popping out of her socket from being tired and being agitated from the dogs licking and barking and baby crying. But yeah, so, uh, so, so you're in another room hiding. Yeah. So I'm in another room hiding. Remember, look, I warned you, I said that that was going to happen at least once a week. I was going to just take off and go to the, go to the garage. Right. No, I'm joking. Um, no, yeah, I mean, like everything, my whole, my entire life is, is, is different now. Like everything has changed. Like I am in like full blown dad mode. There are things that irritate me that don't ever irritate me. People touch the thermostat and I'm getting angry. Like, I don't know what's going on with me anymore. Well, you know, a switch gets flipped inside of us when we become dad and we become dad. I mean, just wait, the dad jokes are coming mm-hmm. and they're going to come they are. They're gonna. They're just gonna flow. They're gonna come right out. You're, you'll be good to go. That's um. No, and and I mean, you and I had plenty of conversations before the the little one came along, and and I kept telling you, you know, just expect the unexpected. You'll never be. Uh, if you're not scared, you know, you're doing something. You're planning wrong. Um, you're. I mean, but you're never never quite ready for what comes because I mean, there are billions of kids in this world and every one of them is different. Uh huh. And, uh, I would like to say that the best part about this is, uh, the best part about this whole thing so far, other than the fact that she doesn't sleep, but she, when she does sleep, she will literally sleep through absolutely anything. We live next to Quantico military base, the Marine base. And uh, I mean, close as in like maybe like 10, 15 miles. They were doing overnight training. They were doing like mortar training or something. Just loud boom, shaking the whole house. She didn't move at all. She slept through the whole damn thing. And I wasn't sleeping, but she slept through the whole damn thing. So I'm like, 
I can get on board with this. I can, I'm okay with this. Now, if we could just get on the pa- the fact where she like constantly sleeps, that would be, that'd be fantastic. Cause that's not really happening right now. And I don't know if that actually ever does happen. Uh, I hear it rumors. Does, it does to an extent. At least so far, um, between a seven year old and a three year old, they, uh, but we're also pretty firm on bedtime. We really are. We're, you know. That didn't sound like that last night. <laughs> well. I had to. I'm sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> we're firm on bedtime. I mean, they're not quite as firm on bedtime as we are. But um, but we're firm on bedtime. <laughs> now, she likes to get up. And so does he. And. We're slowly but surely breaking them of that habit. We could do a whole episode though of parenting and shit like that. Why don't we? Uh, oh, we need to do that with know. Chris, isn't that? That was a plan, right? When Madison oh, came, Chris was supposed to come back on, and um, his daughter is turning one. So remember, we said if we are doing this a year later, then we need to come recap. back and do a recap. Holy shit, we've been doing this for almost a year. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird to think about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, holy shit. Yeah. That is kind of weird. I mean, judging from like, from uh, thinking about it, like time stamp, like thing for with like the podcast, oh, yeah. it just, it kind of feels like we just started doing this, you know, even though we did like the five week break, it just kind of feels like we just started doing this. And when we had Chris on, his girl uh, or his daughter was only about a handful of months old. So the idea that we're already a year, in, almost a year into this is asinine. <laughs> uh, uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. And I think uh, I think our listeners have enjoyed it. And yeah. um, I, I do get to converse with one of my best friends every week. And that's that's awesome. Uh, you should meet him. He's a he's a great guy. Um but he's, <laughs> uh, no, it's been nice. And uh, after almost a year, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to look into that to find out what, what the date was that we and, and do. We're definitely going to do a live show then. Oh, I then. have. Yeah. And speaking of, uh, I did a, a post in our Facebook um, page talking about Spotify Green Room, which is a free program. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to have um, the what's the the one you pay for the premium. Like you don't even have to have any of that. And it, if you already have Spotify, it links to your account. Essentially, what the Spotify Green Room is is the ability to listen and watch live recordings of like podcast shows or radio shows or whatever. Like so, like they have like ESPN um beat reporters they have like sports center podcasts like they have all that stuff on there but then they have like normal stuff they have just like random people like us talking they have like uh got like you know fandom pages of teams or get video games and stuff like that where they all come together and they they talk i think there was like a like a dungeons and dragons group that did their whole thing over green room because it was just easy like it, it's pretty cool so i think we're going to try to use that next week and if you go into the Facebook page, you'll see you don't need an invite. You can literally just go in and search and you can join and you can do it. Join in by doing a, a discussion through a text thread. You can actually um, 
uh, like request to like come on live and, and talk. So like you can be part of the show and then we'll get a recording of it and we'll post the recording like we normally do. So you'll have the live show and then you can go back and listen to yourself or you can listen to the questions and answers. But, you know, we've always talked about wanting to do this. It was just finding something that was feasible. And I think we may have found that. I think so. Um, I'm excited to try it out. I really am. It's, yeah. uh, doesn't cost anything so, to try, I guess. So I got to ask, man, how's, uh, but let, let's, you know, we usually ask how our week was and stuff like that. How have your mentals been this last few weeks, man? Um, what's a, what's a right word? Uh, challenging. Okay. Challenged. So let me say they're not challenging. It was a challenged. Um, you know, cause the first two weeks, um, so we we'll, we'll dial back to the beginning was I was originally supposed to get four weeks off, um, did not get four weeks off. Also was not told about that until three days after my daughter was born, but that's a whole other thing. I'm not even going to get into that right now. Um, so I had two weeks off, uh, one week paid one week, not. And I think we, between my wife and I, I think we averaged maybe like four hours of sleep for the whole day. <laughs> I mean, so, um, we chose my, you know, my wife chose to, uh, you know, feed naturally. And, um, so I'd get up, you know, and help change diapers and do all this stuff at night. And then we would kind of have, we set up a plan and it was pretty good. Cause we, we started with this early on where it was like, we're, here's the plan that we should try. And that way you get sleep, I get sleep. And we're kind of just like flip-flopping and taking turns, but we're still being able to help each other. So, you know, during the night, you know, while she was feeding, you know, I would sleep a little bit and then I'd get up with her and change her diapers and stuff. And then, you know, during the afternoons and mornings, my wife would go take a nap and then we'd flip flop. I'd go take a nap and then things like that. And we planned ahead and we had a bunch of meals pre-made and we would just pull them out of the freezer, throw them in the crock pot. Like that was probably the best thing that we did, honestly. And that was actually all her idea. So I give her all the credit for that. Um, but I tell you what, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a man, it is, it's different. Like I'm, I'm doing things that I never thought I'd ever do. And I'm doing things like for my wife that I never thought I would do. I mean, I mean, I would do them, but like why she's trying to feed, you got to find time to eat. Right. So I would make pancakes, cut up the pancakes and then feed her the pancakes while she's feeding the baby. Right. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to get it done. Right. But Dude, when it comes like emotional, there's like the the mental breakdowns, right? Of just not sleeping and just being frustrated. And you're not frustrated with your child. You're just frustrated with the situation because they can't communicate with you other than crying and telling you what they want, right? But there's moments where like I would be sitting in the kitchen and she would be in the bassinet and we would just be looking at her and we would just start crying because we never thought we would ever get to that moment, you know? And, and we... Like, you know, my wife, we've always worked really well together as a team. So even when things get stressful, we've done a really good job of making sure that like we detach from the situation to talk about stuff without going after one another, you know, and we yeah. don't really have those situations right now. Right. But I know that like, I know she's tired, you know, cause like the two weeks was, that was not what was expected. I was supposed to have four weeks to stay home and help transition. Luckily she's got like 12 weeks from work and then she gets to stay home. Right. And it's a little bit easier now that we're getting into it, but 
during the week, I'm sleeping in the guest room because I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and take an hour drive to work. Right. And that was just how it was planned. So I know she's not sleeping <laughs> when I get up and go in there to say goodbye. She's not sleeping. Right. And that's rough. And then for me, it's like, even now, like, even if I'm sleeping in the other room, I don't get that much sleep to begin with. The, I didn't get much sleep to begin with anyway. And then my mind is racing while I'm trying to sleep in the other room. Like, you could do A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z, and you should be in there suffering like she is, and da, da, you know, that whole thing. So you start questioning yourself, but then you start, you okay. go to work, and you deal with all the work stuff, and then you work all day. You work nine, ten hours, and then you come home and deal with two hours of traffic, and then you do your best to take the baby so your wife can go take a three hour nap and then you make dinner and then you do dishes and you take the dog out. And it just seems like it, you know, it's never fucking ending. Dan, um, I would love to sit here and blow smoke up your skirt, but, um, it doesn't end. No. And it's, and it's probably one of the most stressful, exhausting, joyous, loving, never ending story. <laughs> that just kind of seems it like gets better and better as it goes, oh, right? Telling you, you know, and and we talked about this pre-show is, you know, we we really want to get Chris back on here and and yep. you know me being the quote-unquote veteran of this group apparently, <laughs> seven-year-old, um, but me being the I mean, so we kind of have different stages of where our kids are as far as their their growth and them turning into little human beings and people yep. and personalities and little balls of energy and stuff like that. And I, th I think that's going to be a great thing, but there, I have a feeling that there will be one consensus between all those parents out there, man. It never does end and you wouldn't have it any other way. Yep. Yep. Like I, my wife says all the time. She's like, um, she was like, even when I, this is like, even when you don't get, give me time to sleep, she's like, I still love you just as much as I do now. You know, like she's talking to the baby because like, you know, uh, she's sending me photos and I saw, showed you some photos and I actually sent you a bunch of photos while we we're, you know, when I was yeah. getting them and stuff. But, you know, it's like, she's a fucking cute ass baby, man. <laughs> it's hard to be mad at that. But, you know, when she poops in every onesie and has her big Maddie blowouts and, I don't, I'm not even like upset by them because I'm more impressed by the size of the blowouts that she has. And I'm like, it's you are every, yeah. And I'm like, you are every bit of your father. Like that is, that's impressive, you know? <laughs> but yeah, you know, I told you the day, you know, we, we started with like new we're trying to do these routines and stuff like that. And we have the noise machines and some, I don't even know if they work. Maybe they do. I don't know. I just but kinda, like, huh? I just kind of winged it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we're doing here. Like, she's definitely done more research because it's for her, it's kind of like life and death because she's yeah. the one that really keeps the baby alive. But um, it's really oh, just they're a big guy. Yeah. Say what? So do you. Yeah. And our uh, our midwife, they did a uh, home visit after after uh, we got home like the next day. And she she the way she put it was really nice because she was like she's already alive she was like she's already surviving you just don't do anything to not have like to not change that like all you got to do is just keep doing what you're doing to keep her you know alive and surviving because it's like it, i had this like a panic attack about like oh my god i gotta keep this thing alive and she's like no you just gotta yeah. keep doing what you're doing because she's already doing it so it's like you don't like just don't do anything less than what you're doing now and i'm she, like yes. yeah 
he's already living. Uh, I mean, don't change anything. Yeah, yeah. You, I'm like, yeah. You got a, you got a good point. But like, we had a great moment the other night where um, we were singing. <laughs> I can't. We're at this fucking stage now, but we were singing um, bananas and pajamas at, in the kitchen. But then it went from bananas and pajamas to uh, Hakuna Matata to uh, Can You Feel It in the Air Tonight to um, uh, to the Beatles, to Eric Clapton, to like James Arthur, to Lionel Richie, to like we yeah, just kind of yeah. went all over the board. Rich tape there, huh? Yeah, like we went all over the board, man. You know, Tim McGraw and like all kinds of stuff, just playing, you know, and then um, played our uh, our wedding song and we were doing that, which actually got me a little choked up because I mean it's here. It, it that brings back moments too, you know, and. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, and it gets better. I know it does. And it's not, it's, you can't fix the situations. You just endure through it and you just find ways. So, you know, and I, I've, I'm definitely one of those people that, you know, it gets better, it gets better. But at the same time, you know, it's, if you really, cause I'm, th- I think back and, you know, I told you, I told you one of the hardest things. I've ever had to do was after my daughter was born, we didn't live together for six yep. months. Yep. I only got to see her on the weekends and yep. you know, and that wasn't because of anybody's anything but finances. I mean, that's, I mean, it, neither one of us wanted to be apart. Yeah. But it was kind of, it was kind of necessary. And, uh, but you know, it's it, that's the whole thing. Like, it it does get better, but it's not half bad. No, it's not. <laughs> it's Listen, really not- I would, I would take, I would take this whole thing—the not sleeping, the the pooping her brains out, the crying, the screaming—that all that. I would take all that every single day, then one day at being at work. <laughs> and I actually, I mean, and and yeah, it's it, it's. And I actually love my job. So, I mean, I, would, I was going to say that, that I decided not to, that I was like, ah, screw it. Uh, but, but no, it's, but it's awesome. And, you know, you and I have, have kept up. Actually, I've, I've, I'm impressed we've kept up communication as much as we have, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, yeah. And it's not because of, you know, anything other than, you know, your main focus is, is baby girl. Mm-hmm. And I, you know me, I understand that. So, like, I didn't, I didn't expect to hear from you, you know, real fast. Yeah, I mean, but see, like, the other side of that too is, is that like you, you were, you've been checking in on us like through the whole process, and even after she was born, and like, and like Chris, and you know, everybody else, and we've had a good like core group of friends that have done a really like awesome you know, thing of just checking in on us to make sure that we're okay. And like, everything's good. I mean, even to the point where like, excuse me, even to the point where like my wife's coworkers who she's never met in two years are sending food and flowers and cards and gift cards. And her dad is sending us like food and like people dropping food off. Like, uh, somebody dropped off a whole ass lasagna. I mean like a massive, like family lasagna that I ate 90% of, but um, anyway, so, um, (laughs) 
but you know and like my parents came down they like my parents are in love with this child man and like they came down they brought food so it's like it's been good because we've had a good like support cast right but i know it's not like that for everybody but it definitely makes things easier for us is and and we're really grateful for everybody and and that's and that's the key that you that you're grateful. I mean, not everybody does have that, but at the same time, I'm glad you do. I mean, I, it was it was a little harder for me as far as that goes because um, this was right after some some shit. Like like I've said before in the podcast, you know, the, all that shit with that old group of friends that mm-hmm. I no longer had the support system that I I did. So. Really, I mean, I, and when I think about it, I'm like, you know, I have some friends, but I mean, most of them have kids or they're out of state or stuff like that. And, yeah, of course, that's an excuse. But, you know, I didn't have as big um, of of a support system. But I, but those that did support me, honestly, never questioned it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because, you know, we always talk about it. It's not about the quantity. It's about the, the you know, the quality and you know, we're, my wife and I, or my wife went to go drop some food off at a, a friend's house the other day. Um, they had, uh, suffered some loss, um, between the two of them, uh, the husband and wife, they, you know, uh, suffered some loss in between the two of them. And, and my wife went to go drop, we made a lasagna now, um, if y'all are listening, cause I'm going to keep names out of it, but if y'all are listening in the lasagna is great, I made it. But if the lasagna is bad, my wife made, no, I'm just joking. Um, but she went and dropped some food off and, um, she was talking with them about what's going on with them because, you know, we're, we try to check in on them too, to make sure that everybody's okay. But, you know, they were telling us that, you know, during their whole process of, uh, losing, you know, family members and stuff and friends and all that, that uh, their friends have not checked in on them at all. Oh, no. And that's, and it makes me, and, you know, they even said like, you know, I might have to like reevaluate, you know, my, who my circle is. Right. And, and I remember we were talking about that. Taylor and I were talking about that. And I remember thinking back when my brother passed away, None of my friends, I think, but one one of mine came to the funeral. It was mainly just family and a lot of my brother's friends, right? Guys he played baseball with in high school, high school guys that, you know, remembered him and showed up, right? So, but afterwards, when we did, like, the ceremony, the, the reception, sorry, at the house, at my parents' house, my friends were there, and I knew that, right? They were going to be there. And, you know, we hung out and everything like that. But I remember, like, the very next day, and leading forward through that so 10 years right i don't even think a goddamn one of them ever texted to ask me how i was doing but i don't know if i can blame them because it's not like i ever brought it up but let's be honest like the signs were there me not being okay like we would go out to like the bar and drink so like you see me drink uh 90 of a bottle at the bar you would probably kind of like click in your head like hey man you doing okay <laughs> You know, it's like I get that, and that sucks. Like that feeling is is terrible when you don't have people that will check in on you like that. That's true. Um, you know, I, I've I've experienced a little bit of both, and um, I I gotta say though, there's it's it's a delicate line 
delicate little thread there because yeah, I mean, you, part of you may want to reevaluate, you know, the level of friendship that you have with some of these people, but some of them just aren't comfortable. And you kind of have to, I'm not saying that, you know, the, that it's okay that nobody checked in on you, but there's some, some of them are probably extremely uncomfortable talking about something like that. Yeah, and, maybe. And, and there's a part of you that's, you know, there's a part of you that's got to understand that aspect, but at the same time, it takes nothing and no, it, it really takes no effort, emotional strain from you to say, Hey, you're all right. Yeah. Right. Especially if you're, if you are as close as you think you are with these people, just like I thought I was, and maybe they think that they were with their friends that I mean, um, I'm also distant friends too. Like, yeah, I mean, it's really, they're really great friends. Yeah. No, they should have, they, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. can completely understand that. Yeah. You know, and it's just kind of, I don't know, man, like, because during that time, I kind of did the same thing. I started reevaluating, and I'll tell you right now, I think, I don't think I've, I'd speak to any one of those people that were in that quote unquote group anymore. Like, I haven't spoken to them in years, and I don't miss it. Like, I'm not being a dick, but my life is not on hold because I don't talk to them anymore. Like I don't even follow them anymore. I couldn't even tell you what they're doing in their life. And that's, you know, and that's also stages of maturity too. I mean, you, you grow apart from people. You really do. I mean, good, bad, or indifferent. That's, you know, you grow apart from people sometimes. And, you know, there are, this is granted. This is coming from a guy who's, you know, best friend and, you know, one of the best friends he's ever had in his life. You know, we've been best friends since seventh grade. You, you, I mean, it's, I've had friends that long, but damn few. Yeah. Uh, but I also grew up in a town of 2,500 people. A small town. So, yeah. A small town. But it's like, I think about that time period, like with my brother, right? And then I think of like, I'm going to call it the next traumatic event, which would be um, the process of us trying to start a family. And there was not a single time that anybody did not check in on us. I mean, like we had people from all over. I mean, like you and the guys and, you know, like even Adam, you know, when we were going through that stuff, even Adam and his wife were like, we're like, we're sending you guys flowers. We're sending you gift cards. We're doing this. And I'm like, okay, calm down. Like, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but you know, like stuff like that. And it really makes you just kind of like think it's like, it's like, damn, man, like it's kind of nice to have, people that you can just reach out to and send a text message to and, and, you know, know that like, you know, Hey, like you got five minutes, we can talk. And it's like, yeah. All right. Great. You know, like, yeah, can I mean, we, can we talk is, later tonight? Like, yeah, great. That's fucking awesome. Thank you. And that is a testimony to quality. Over I mean, mm-hmm. it really is. Yeah. I mean, neither one of us. And, and honestly, I, I truly understand that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I think, yeah, I, I mean, you got a great, great core there and um we love you too bro (laughs) (laughs) you were i mean you were you were a main component about all that especially from the beginning especially from the beginning i mean you really were and 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 like so was adam and brian and matt and you know and and chris and all these other guys right and like seth and his wife and you know everybody like i could i could spend like an hour probably naming people and i would still forget but like those are the people that like i know that if something were to happen those were the type those are the type of people that i know that would step up in our in this com- in the community or the family of friends that we have right because i mean it kind of is family right i yeah. mean it's like it's like olive garden when you're here you're family 
And uh, everybody gets free breadsticks and salad. Wait, you've never told me about the free breadsticks at your house. I mean, I'm shit. I'm I'm coming over. This. Is that I mean, I, they're like wheat bread, just kind of cut up into little. I'm joking. Oh. I'm joking. No, I I would provide real breadsticks if I had people over. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not. You know. Yeah, we're not doing that mess. But yeah, I mean, yeah. But I mean, okay. So enough about me because we've been speaking 27 minutes about me and we have barely tapped into you. And I don't know what you're talking about. I, um, you've had a lot going on. I know you've had a lot of stresses. Yeah, I mean, I and with, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, yeah, the stress, my stress level has been a little higher uh, than it normally is. Um, part of it, I mean, not gonna lie, part of it is not doing this podcast. This podcast helps my mentals so much, and yeah. you know, I didn't realize until because we've had breaks before, but. Um, but I have to say that I didn't realize just how much this podcast really helped me until not just, not just a break, but also my stress level increasing because our, Mm -hmm. our past breaks, I can honestly say our past breaks, my stress level didn't increase as much. So, I mean, I guess I, I still missed it and I still understood that, you know, it helps and stuff like that, but I didn't really understand the depth of how much the, doing this podcast with you helps right. me out personally. And to be there, fair though, that was only for a couple, like those breaks were only a couple days, maybe like a week, not like five. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's true. Um, but yeah. Even Christmas, we only did like two weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, only something did two. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, and so a lot of it has to do with work. Um, yeah. My work, I've I've never had a, the only thing I won't say is the name of the company. Um, but you know, my work has been a little more stressful. They've there's been a little bit more put upon my plate, and I don't, you know, it, I don't mind. I like the challenge. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love my job is because it it constantly challenges me. It pushes me. Um, but when when somebody uh, when somebody doesn't show up and you have a, you're already working on a skeleton crew, um, I've had to let you know I had to let somebody go during this mm-hmm. five week span, uh, which put me I was already one person sh- short now I'm two can't seem to find anybody to even apply to let alone to hire, um, which is wild. Uh, yeah, and you know we don't pay that badly. I mean. We don't pay badly. It's a good starting wage. Um, but not being able to do that. And then on top of that, all the extra work that I'm, I'm trying to do. And honestly, part of, you know, there's, there's some stuff going on in, in the ranks above me that, you know, add to it. Um, so yeah, it's been stressful. Uh, when, 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 and then, you know, so I'm two people short. So, and then what now one person has been on vacation this week and there's been a, uh, one day where another person had to be off. And mm-hmm. so I actually started out this week running three routes, but you know, um, one of them by myself. And that's been kind of the way it's been for the last few weeks is, you know, I constantly have to be on a truck, which puts me behind one day out in the truck for me with all the, all the other work that I have to do in the office puts me behind two to three days. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I realized that this is, you want to talk about some first world problems. I mean, that's, I understand that, but you know, the stress is real. 
the stress oh, yeah. is still it still gets to you and, and i really didn't realize that you know how much this podcast meant to me i mean it always i always knew that it meant a lot to me but i had no idea how much it meant to me until i didn't have it anymore for a few right. weeks and, and i and my stress level started going up I, and there's also the you know we 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 told everybody before the break, you know, we're, we're talking about trying to get into a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> those of you, those, those of you out there. Um, yes. My daughter is here with me. See, so but, like I, now I know that feeling and that look because it's like, Ooh, I heard something. And then it's like, is she crying? Is she okay? Oh uh, no, yeah, she's she, just sleeping. Uh, she, she, uh, honey bear, you want to say hi? <laughs> See, and that's yep. the one thing over the last few weeks that I, that has been a constant positive. You what about what about Okay, what do you want to watch? Yeah, we're all getting a Coco. live look into Brady's life right now. Yes, welcome to my life, Coco Melon. You're, oh you God! Oh yeah, no, I love. Are you kidding me? I love Coco Melon. Do you? Oh, I love, honestly, I, you know, I see. <laughs> blink, blink twice if you're lying. No, no. <laughs> blink I'm, twice I, if you're being held against your will. I see. <laughs> oh, I've got a three-year-old. Of course, I'm being held against my will. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, I see a lot of people, a lot of dads and stuff complaining about, you know, all these kids shows and I will sit here and I will watch Coco Melon or Booba or Baby Shark or you know, or, uh, what she loves this thing called it's like a Korean like Power Rangers style cartoon hmm. called uh, Mini Force X. Mini I Force think. X. Oh, it's awesome. Hmm. I, I, it makes no sense. <laughs> but awesome. Well, while you're while you're watching that, my child has been watching uh, NFL replay games and classic MLB games. Um, I also found out, yeah. I also found out that we have access to the WWE Network through Peacock. So I've been watching Attitude Era um, pay-per-views, and she gets a kick out of that. And uh, yeah, and Vikings. She likes Vikings a lot. Oh my, uh, Penny! Penny loves like because everybody out there knows I play video games and stuff like that. Well, there's one video game called Dying Light. It's a zombie first-person zombie game. Um, and I, I, if I start that up and this includes like resident evil, I've played in front of her. Why? Because she's excited. She's, Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. It is. It is absolutely awesome. And it's, and it's hilarious all at the same time. <laughs> um, but oh, you know, that's, and, and I'm glad that that kind of, you know, got thrown into the episode because th- this is also, you know, that's what, that's what's helped keep me, you know, as level as possible over the last few weeks right. is her and her mother and her brother. And, you know, I can't No, I mean, obviously my kids don't listen. My wife doesn't listen to this. She's, you know, she's all, Oh no, that's your thing. If I want to listen to it, I'll, you know, I'll listen to it. And she's, all, I know I can, I just, she chooses not to, and that's fine. Yeah. But, you know, I will, I have to say that without my family, I mean, it kind of makes you realize just how alone you are after the pandemic too, that it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I'm still pretty much a shut in. 
I am. I don't do anything. Like I said, like I was saying before, you know, I was trying to get into a house and we did get approved for a loan. That's awesome. Um, And that's, you know, and that's the big thing is like, I don't go anywhere or do anything. I don't, I I play golf periodically and I probably shouldn't, but she makes me and I'm not going to tell her no. (laughs) And I like golfing. Um, but didn't you guys go bowling too? Uh, we, we, I'm still trying to kick this cold that keeps getting handed around the house. Mm, mm, So, but, but no, it's, um, where was I? Golfing. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I don't really do anything. And, and that was the main reason is, you know, we were where we were. We are hopefully going to get into a house at some point soon. Uh, I didn't get approved for much as much as I would need for like a full blown freestanding house. Mm. But we did get enough for, you know, possibly a trailer in a trailer park or something, which I don't care. Honestly, I'm not too I ain't too proud. Um, we just had, we would have to find the right size and, and a lot of these manufactured homes, they're, they're nice actually. Uh, check on Amazon. They're, they're like the whole like small home thing is like the new, is like the new fat or whatever. But, um, Amazon sells like fabricated mini homes for about like less than like $300,000. I mean, and then you got like furnish it, furnish it and, you know, do the plumbing and all that. But, you oh, know, that- it's, it's. It's, you know, I mean, it's kind of like the new thing for people now. And just for the record, it's six foot four, 300 pounds. I don't count for many anything. (laughs) Maybe they can make an exception. Yeah. They'll put put cathedral ceilings in there for you. I've, I've, uh, I've seen these mini, mini, or uh, what what, are they called? Mini homes? Something like that. Like small homes. Yeah. Mini homes. Something like that. I've seen these small homes. They're small. Yeah. They're they're tiny. Uh, I mean, so is a trailer. Not really. I mean, a double wide. It ain't bad. No, that's I mean, true. Yeah. Hey, home is home is what you make of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry. Anytime somebody says that phrase, I think of the water boy. Um, <laughs> and, my, and the sophomore child in front inside of me chuckles a little bit. Oh so. my god. Um. No, no. Uh, Joe Dirt. That's what it is. No. Yeah. Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt, yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> All right, that, that kind of yeah. Um, but you know, other than that, I mean, yeah, there's been stress and there's been a lot of stuff going on and, and stuff like that. But honestly, <coughs> it's his life. I mean, you know, shit happens. Um, so, yeah. but I think uh, this uh, honestly, uh, I mean, if, if it's all right with you, I think this would be a good time to take a break and, and yeah. kind of get it. A little bit, a yeah. little bit of a meatier subject after oh, the break. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We got, we got to put some meat on these bones now. We've, <laughs> we've eased, we've eased back into it. I think we kind of got there a little bit, and we teased a little bit. Now we're gonna go ahead and just kind of, we're gonna dive on in. We're done with the salad. And as much as I love, and honestly, we could do two or three episodes after a five week break of just us rapping. But yeah, but yeah, I think you know after the break, get into a little bit, a little yeah. bit more of a topic and. Uh, we're done with the we're done with the appetizer. We're done with the salad. We're going into the main course now. Yes, sir. That's what so, we're doing. so and we already talked. This probably will be a little bit longer than usual, just because we're gonna have a lot to talk about, but not too long. But you know, yeah. just a little bit longer. But we will uh, we'll be right back, and uh, and then we're gonna you know dive on into the main course. So, men in your life, unapologetically human, and we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Men in Your Life Unapologetically Human, uh, the part de. Um, part de. Yeah. Uh, see, this is the this is what happens when you go five weeks, man. It's it's part de. You start a little bit of like lunacy and a little bit of like, how did we used to do this? Yeah, right, how we did this. Remember, you remember what we used to do? I do you don't. Remember, I don't know how to do this anymore. What do I do with my hands? I don't know what to do with my hands. Do I put my hands down? Do I put my hands up? I don't know what to do. So I wanted to ask you something, and this is probably a pretty like, uh, it's probably a pretty simple and retort question because I think everybody has dealt with this one time in their life or maybe multiple times. And if you haven't, then uh, you know I'm glad that you haven't yet. But um, you ever uh, ever had to deal with some grief in your life? Grief? Oh yeah. Um, I mean. There's, there's all different levels. There's all different kinds, and I've dealt with a, a good number of them. Um, I mean, grief from a young age. I mean, the first person that that I was close to that I had lost was my grandmother, and uh, that was uh, on Christmas Day, actually, which added to the suckery. Um, but, and that was at 16? And I think from then on, it was pretty, <laughs> it was almost constant. Um, I've, I've lost family members, friends. Um, my first ever like real serious, I, I was very much my first in love with first love was murdered. Um, mm, God that damn. Was, that, so, you know, I've dealt with, you know, I've dealt with some grief and some loss from, you know, something like that i've also dealt with you know we knew it was coming um you know friends with with diseases or cancer um the you know family members with diseases cancer stuff like that i've I've lost them like that my stepdad being you know one of the one of those that has always stuck with me um miss him all the time he was he was an amazing man um and then there's you know not to and then there's there, there's grief like you know I you know, everybody knows I've been divorced I mean that's that's mm-hmm. a lot that is mm-hmm. so there's all different I mean to me there's all different kinds there's all different I, I guess I shouldn't say levels because everybody processes grief um, on different levels of of other people but the, I know I mean I know there are the those standards of of grief you know everybody's heard the cliche but it's true the cliche you know five parts of of grief is you know denial anger bargaining depression and then finally acceptance and you know it's it's one of those things that it's, it sounds cheesy you know the five stages of grief the five because i mean people use it as a punchline in movies but it's a very real thing yeah yeah and you know i i think people forget when you when you're grieving uh, that those emotions, the human emotions that you feel, that's just normal. Like, you know, and people get, I think people get afraid of themselves sometimes when they're grieving because, you know, they, they just want to stop hurting or they want to stop crying. They want to stop missing somebody. They want to stop, you know, whatever it is, or they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to go through with it. And they don't understand why they feel that way. But I, I, I truly believe that, All those emotions, you know, being angry, being mad, being, you know, people go, whatever you're going through, you know, trauma wise with the grief, you know, people get angry at the person that left, 
You know, there's plenty of times where I've gotten angry at my brother for leaving us. Right. And it's just it's just a natural human reaction because you're going through something traumatic. Right. And you can't really put a timetable on how you get through something. You're going to get through it the way you want to get through it. Like some people want to talk about stuff. Some don't. Some will talk about it sporadically, you know, like they'll just do these like cluster venting sessions and it's what helps them. But I mean, like you said, everybody, everybody goes through it different. And those five stages, I don't know. I don't know if if people. I don't know if you hit every five stage, like if you hit every stage during that process, you know, like there are times when I've gone through things where I have never hit the acceptance. I've kind of just let it go, if that makes sense, you know. Well, that's a form of acceptance. I mean, acceptance I guess. doesn't mean you think it's okay. Acceptance means, you know, you know, it's it may not be okay, but it basically it is what it is. I mean, yeah, that's a good way. Um, I I know, I know that, especially around the holidays and stuff like that, I miss family members and people that have that I've lost and and you know stuff like that. And you know that doesn't necessarily mean I haven't accepted it. That just means you know, in my opinion, that's a great thing because you still remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I also don't think that I, I do firmly believe that there are there would be reasons to never quite get through all of them. Yeah. I mean, really. And there are also times where you'll fly through the first three mm-hmm. and you'll you'll go straight to bargaining or something like that. And, you know, it's. Just like you said, it's it's you can't put a timetable on something like this. And you know, honestly, this is a perfect topic for us coming back because that video you put on TikTok right before we were left. I mean, that's like you you said it yourself just a couple of minutes ago. You, you just kind of want the pain to go away, right? You know, and and people, I don't know if I don't know, I'm, I'm, heard, I'm sure there's probably a handful of people that haven't seen that video, but basically the video. Um, went over the fact that, you know, it wasn't just the fact that people wanted to, like, kill themselves. It wasn't that we just wanted to die. It was just that we wanted the pain to go away. Like, you just wanted to stop hurting, and that was the only viable, logical solution that somebody had at that moment to make the pain stop, right? I don't think it's about anybody just not wanting to be here. It's just they just don't want to hurt anymore, you know? And, you you know, we all good and that's the whole thing like that's there's also the on the flip side of that because i mean that you the video you talked about was was the one side of the coin then the flip side of that coin are the people that are left yep. that have to go through that grief and they yep. just want the pain to go away yep. so I mean, it never it never goes away yeah it really doesn't and then you know i had somebody reach out to me over our break and they discussed that uh the, his wife um lost her older brother uh to suicide on super bowl sunday this past you know this most recent super bowl and when he reached out to me he was basically just like hey like i don't really know what to do and he was like i I stumbled across your podcast i listened to you speak openly about your brother and he was he, you know he's just like i don't really know what to do what am i supposed to do you know she won't eat she won't drink she won't you know all she does is sleep and i told him i said i hate to break it to you man but that's a hundred percent normal. And I was like, I hate using that term normal when it comes to something like this, but I was like, 
when when we i think as a society and as people who go through stuff like this whether you've gone through it or maybe you're battling something on your own when we come to the realization that these acts that take place and these reactions that take place when we're going through stuff like that it is normal reactions to something traumatic you know the not eating and the not sleeping you know somebody from looking on the outside in will see that as like oh my god like we need to get you help we need to do x y and z this is terrible you're not necessarily wrong but it's not at the right moment to bring that up like you need to let somebody process the way that they're going to process as long as they're doing it in a healthy way as in like not harming themselves you know when my brother died i didn't sleep right it was verse i didn't sleep um i barely ate and i drank a lot of the wrong thing i drank a lot of alcohol but you know i had i was processing through it the way that i processed through and in, in this guy's situation with his wife you know i told him like i said i hate to say it but that's normal and i'm like you have to be very um particular about what you do in this moment forward because there are things that you may say or do that could push her closer to you know staying depressed and and stuff like that and there's things that you can do that'll bring her back out of it but i was like ultimately what you have to do is is let her kind of work through this and as long as she's not hurting herself like you it's just a process she's going through it right now because like you got to think that it was one morning her brother was here and the next morning he wasn't so, you know, and it's and it's and yeah. he openly admitted that he's never had to deal with something like that in his life. And I was like, and that makes it harder from looking from the outside in because you have no idea what to do. And all you want to do is fix it and you can't fix it. You just have to endure it with them. Yeah. Um, thanks for the uh, thanks for the carryover. That's much appreciated. That's, oh, you're welcome. As always. Um, yeah, no, it happens. <laughs> it's fine, man. Um, it's fine. You know, but, no, and and, that, and, but yeah, you, I mean, you're right. There's no, there's really no other way to put it. I mean, that's, if you haven't experienced it, you know, it's, it makes it even harder. And I think a lot of people get a little bit caught up in, understandably in in what they're going through especially when they have a partner and stuff like that that they forget maybe their partner or they forget their partner has never been through it therefore their partner doesn't understand and all they want to do is help right and right. one of the hardest things to do for somebody that you love is to back off when they yep. when they feel pain yep yeah and and in reality it's also one of the best things for them to do because if you think yeah. about it in reality, they're going to come. Yeah. Huh? I said to an extent. Yes. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't agree with, you know, be stepping completely away, but no, 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 no. But giving them space yeah. to work through something is you got to think that like, you got to think that over time you're going to have a conversation about what is needed, you know, from one another you know if you're going through something then i will be there in whatever capacity you need me to be in and when you're ready to start talking about something we'll talk about it but understand that if your actions become detrimental to your health and your you know abilities of living then there needs to be there there's gonna be actions that need to be taken to fix that right like 
I was drinking a lot when my brother passed away and it got to a point where certain people started calling me out on it and I knew it and I understood that and I knew what I was doing and I wasn't blind to it. It wasn't like I was just going and just hitting the bars and just getting hammered. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was trying to drink away pain. But the problem with that is when you when you try to combat that pain with alcohol or drugs or whatever everybody else gets into, it doesn't actually ever help anything. Like you're not numbing anything. You're not doing all you're actually doing is actually just making it worse because what happens is you take a couple shots and then you start thinking about it, right? So you take a couple more and then you think it's going to go away and it doesn't. So then you take a couple more and you wonder why is this not working? And next thing you know, you're 15 shots in or you're, you know, you're shooting up somewhere on a bench or, you know, whatever it is you're doing and you're more and more diving into it because it just won't go away to the point where you are just blacked out and you don't remember anything. Well, and that's, you know, and that's where a lot of the, you know, alcohol abuse, I mean, you experienced it yourself. That's where the, a lot of the alcohol abuse due to grief. Mm-hmm. That's why it gets to that point because, you know, just like with drugs and anything, uh, any other drug or anything like that, it's, you always get, you always try to, you know, you're trying to numb it. You're trying to make it go away. And the only, the, and really you don't realize it halfway through because you're hammered or you're high or whatever that halfway through the only way you're going to numb it for the time being is when you sleep yep and then you try to make yourself sleep yeah you know and and you drink yourself into oblivion and pass out and you're like well i didn't and you wake up and you feel like you feel like crap the next morning or or even if you don't you still look at yourself and you're like well at least i didn't think about it for those few hours i was passed out Right. And, you know, I we've always talked about sometimes sometimes when you go through stuff, kind of like enduring that wave when it hits you, like when you're going through stuff where, you know, a lot of people try to like they try to keep themselves busy so they don't have to deal with something. So they will go to the gym nonstop. They will you know, go back to, you know, they'll study something, they'll start a project, they'll do all these things to try to keep their mind busy, which is great, because, you know, you want to stay busy doing something. But in reality, all you're doing is you're, you're masking, whatever it is that you're refusing to deal with, you know, and that's not the healthy way to do it either. Because that's exactly what happened to me, I used the gym to mask things. And all I did was beat the living shit out of myself in the weight room. And in turn, I was, you know, working out through injuries, I wasn't taking care of my body afterwards, it was my way of trying to release pain and aggression without releasing it on myself or somebody else. But in turn, it did a lot of damage, you know, yeah, I I was probably in the best shape of my life. But looking back at it, I was like, damn, like, I was doing shit through like a blown out knee, blown out shoulders, a messed up back, you know, pulling sciatic nerve, doing this, doing that, you know, and I was just like, I didn't care. I just kept going because it was what I needed to do. It was the wrong thing to do. Sure. Um, I mean, I can tell you that, you know, drugs were were definitely my outlet for a little while um and not saying it was a positive thing actually as a matter of fact i'm telling you it was a negative thing um but you know it was a lot like the alcohol you know i was never a heavy drinker or anything like that and 
I mean, I wouldn't say never, but through these periods of time, I wasn't generally a heavy drinker. There was really not much else to do in my hometown. Like my stepdad, when, when he passed, um, a, uh, just, it was shameful how much I was drinking. It really was. It was terrible. Um, I handled it completely and utterly wrong. Um, and you know, there's, there's aspects of, of that, that I'm not proud of. Um, but you know, also at the same time at, you know, I'm 41 now and that was a long time ago, man. I don't, I'm not going to beat myself up for it then. And that's where I think that that's where I think you get to the acceptance point. Acceptance doesn't, doesn't mean it's okay. Acceptance means that, you know, it's not okay, but you also know that you can't do anything about it. Um, right. Right. And, you know, that's, that's part of the, I mean, I, I do firmly believe in, you know, the denial and the anger and the bargaining and all that stuff, you know, you, you go through those things and you may make the wrong choices when you're going through those stages. Um, but when the acceptance isn't just accepting the situation that puts you through this, it's also what you've done when to get through it. Right. You accept what what you've done. You you accept the damage that you've done to your body, and you do something about it. Um, but you know, it's it's not just acceptance of what happened. It's not just acceptance of of losing that person or that period of time in your life ending because of this or that or like divorce for me. Um, you know, it's not just dealing with that. It's also dealing with the things that you've done to cope. Right. And I was going to say the same thing, you know, acceptance isn't just accepting the situation of what happened. It's also accepting the things that you did during that time of grieving, like accepting the fact that, you know, that you were drinking too much or you were going out and hanging out with the wrong people. Or maybe you got a little, you know, loose and started, you know, going home with people that you normally things that you normally wouldn't do because you were grieving. And I think the other part about that too is I think we should also normalize the idea that you don't just go through five stages and you're done. Those five stages could repeat themselves over and over and over and over and over for five, 10, 11, 12, 13 years. Like you can repeat these stages just because you go through it one time doesn't mean it's over. I go through being angry and being depressed all the time. Right. But The other side of that is what I don't think we talk about enough, right, is, as I said earlier, normalizing the human reactions of what is going on. Like you are allowed to be angry. You can be angry at yourself. You can be angry at, you know, the person that left you or, you know, something like you can be angry at the situation because you're not necessarily angry at that person, you were just you're angry with the situation, you know, and I'm I'm angry in a way sometimes when it comes to my brother, because there's a lot of unresolved things and a lot of things that I never got to say and a lot of things that, you know, we never did. But it was mainly just the things that never got spoken about, the things that never that were never, you know, said. And that's what angers me. And I'm angry because there were times and moments where we could have had those conversations. We just didn't do it right. And you also, the flip side of that too, is you gotta, we, you gotta be careful. Cause like I said, I dove into working out, right. But I was normalizing the, 
I guess, demons that I was fighting. I normalized the idea of the fact that I wasn't okay. And I started using that not being okay to my advantage. So, and by that, what I mean is I started cutting people out. I started doing things that I normally wouldn't do. And I just didn't care. Like I, I really didn't because that was what was keeping me going. It wasn't going to therapy or talking about it. Right. None of that stuff helped me. It, it made it worse for me. What only made me better was just accepting the fact that I'm not happy, I'm angry, I'm depressed, and I'm just going to roll with it, right? But that was the wrong way to do that because I didn't do that. To me, it looked like it was helping, but it wasn't helping. All I was doing is just driving myself down further and further and further. And when you get down like that, it is hard to pull yourself back out of it. And I think that's when you get that far down, that's when you start losing people. That's when people start checking out. When people start looking for alternate ways to take care of things like drinking or maybe suicide or something like that, like you get so far down in that hole that you almost feel like you can't climb out of it anymore. And you've just normalized that like dark cloud that hovers over you that that is just your life now. Yeah. I mean, I wish there was some other way to put it, but yeah, I mean, that's. A very descriptive and very accurate. Um, yeah. And you're right. I mean, uh, I think a big thing that you said during that entire time, and it was right at the beginning, was, you know, these these stages, they're not just five stages and you're done. It's yeah. They can repeat themselves. They can You can go through anger and bargaining and then depression and then go back to anger because you're depressed and then you realize you're depressed and then you're angry at the person and then you're, or you're angry at yourself for letting you get to that point. Or, you know, it, it's it can be a, a vicious cycle for a very long time. Um, especially if there's, you know, from my experience, especially when, you know, there's less closure than, than what one party needs. Um, and that's as, as much as, as delicately as I can say that. Um, it's, it, there's as much closure. There's not enough closure as both parties need that are or all parties need that are involved in this in, in this situation and as clinical as i'm trying to sound it's um grief and dealing with loss and loss in general it's not you know it's not just one dimensional you know it's right and it, like you said it's not one dimensional but it's also like part of grief and i think this part doesn't get spoken enough about it's being confused and the not knowing what's going to happen afterwards. Like you don't know how you're going to react the next day. You don't know how you're going to feel the next day. Right. It's the, it's that not knowing what's going on. I think that terrifies people a lot during grief because not only are you missing somebody, right. Or not only that you're hurting, you are now trying to figure out your next steps, but you don't have any idea what your next steps are because you can't move past now what's happening today. Right. And it's that like, it's that we, I think sometimes we stay where we're at because it's comfortable, but it's comfortable in the wrong way. And we're just, we're afraid because we don't know what's going to happen next. And not knowing is terrifying. Like it, it is really terrifying for people. Like even when you like, say like you're taking a new job or, um, you know, something like that, like people are terrified because you don't have any idea what's going to happen. It's the unknown, like the unknown really bothers people. I mean, it should, cause 
it's a big deal. And especially when you, when you come into like trauma and grief, it's a big freaking deal. And I think the other part of that too is, you know what? I think people are allowed to kind of deal with it the way that they want to deal with it. Right. And in a certain extent, but like telling somebody how they should handle and deal with grief, that's not the right way to do that. Right. Like if I tell you, Oh man, you need to do this and you need to do that. And this is what worked for me. Well, great. That was you. That's not me. You know, like whatever worked for you probably doesn't work for me because you and I are not the same people. Right. And actually, the I guess the ironic part of that is that you and I actually think a light a lot alike anyway. So probably what worked for you probably would work for me or vice versa. But, um, you know, I think we just forget that just like the, the raw human reactions to a traumatic event. Like it's it's oh God. I hate saying it. I hate saying it that it's OK. Like, I think we need to, like, normalize that. Like, it's oh, it's okay. Like, it's not okay, True. but it's oh, it's okay if you're angry. It's okay for you to, like, yell and scream yeah. and cry at the situation. Like, it is okay for that. It is your timeline. It's not anybody else's. This is true. Um, that's... To an extent, I, I do... To an extent, I agree with you, like 95%. But it's also what you do with that reaction. Right. Yes, I do believe, I, I completely agree, 100% agree with the fact that we do need to normalize these these raw emotional reactions. Because, you know, I can honestly tell you, I've I've held tears in. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, hear, I've held screams in. I've held, you know, smart-ass comments in. I've held, you know... I've held anger in and I've held depression in and I've held, you know, all these different things. Um, and I, I can honestly say that there's at least a couple of times I can think of that. I'm still glad even through this podcast, even learning all the things that I have about mental health, that I'm still glad that I held them in because it would have been bad had I let them out at that point in right. time because it's just right. a raw visceral reaction to something that would have ended badly for somebody. Right. But see, that's that's like a maturity check though. It's also knowing like, oh, if I say this right now, I don't actually mean what I'm about to say, but I also know that if I let these words fly, it's really gonna spiral out of control because it's not really I'm like directing it at this like I'm directing it at this person for the absolute wrong reason. You know, and some people can't process that stuff going through trauma. I mean, think about it. You're you're going through grief like how it's hard to process anything when you're going through grief. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's to me, honestly, it's like it's like a false sense of comfort because you start to think. How can you hurt more? You're talking about like holding it in. Right. And it's like, how can you hurt more if you're already in pain? But really, it's kind of like a lie because it eats at your joy. It eats at your happiness. It eats at grace and faith and your character. And it teams up with your anxieties. And it makes you believe false emissions about yourself. And that we're created, you know, these emissions and things that were created from past trauma that has been held above you, you know. And then all of that starts eating together. And in reality, it's just kind of like its own complex confusion which will really just be battled 
the way that it needs to be battled. And we don't know what that is or what weapon we need to battle that until we get to that situation. Well, yeah. And, you know, we, and I know there may be some people out there that, that, you know, uh, hopefully you're not, but you know, if you are joining us for the first time, even to me, sometimes it sounds like we're talking in circles, but I mean, please understand that we're just trying to we're we're trying to explain it from our point of points of view but we're also trying not to make sh- we're trying to make sure that you guys don't you listeners don't think that we're generalizing everything right it's not the same for everybody no it's not and you're right you know what you said you know you and I are very are, we we agree on a see eye to eye on a lot of things and we're personality wise we're actually quite a bit alike and you know what may have worked for me may work for you or you know vice versa uh, but you know also on the, at the in the same token it may not I right mean, that's the whole thing like everybody's going to go through it differently i drank myself into a stupor just like you did for yep. for more more than one of them um but then, you know, in in the case of my divorce, you know, which, like I said, like I said before, divorces are losses. They are. You're going to go mm-hmm. through grief, especially, uh, you know, unless it's just a dead relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, and the whole thing is, is it's not that you're not going to go through grief during a divorce, during a dead relationship. It's that you already have. Right. Um, that's how it gets to that point. But if it hadn't with me and, you know, I can honestly say that it really, it really destroyed me now when my stepdad died uh, it was a lot of anger Mm. it was um when you know when my first love was murdered there was a a lot of anger and a lot of bargaining um when it comes to when it came to that one now when my ex-wife left um i it was uh, i i kind of jumped ahead straight to depression yeah (laughs) now that's not to say that, you know, everybody will, but, you know, there are you, these five stages of grief that you, you don't necessarily start, you, you, you don't necessarily spend a lot of time in each stage. You don't, um, at least I didn't with, you know, different, it's a different situation, different reaction. Yeah. Um, I went straight into depression and it was, and I didn't drink real heavily. I went out and I had a, I had a few beers a night, but it wasn't heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, my stepdad passed away. I drank myself into a stupor. Um, my, my, the, the, my first love was probably, I don't know. I, I kind of went off the deep end a little bit on that one just cause you know, I was still young to be fair uh, though. That's, it's pretty, uh, understandable as to why, well, yeah. Like not a lot of people have to go through something like that. And, you know, obviously, you know, you can, we can talk about that at a time that you're ever feeling up to it. It's, sure. I know that's a thing. That's a whole, that's a whole decompression a, right there. Yeah. That's, that's something I'm going to need some a little stronger than green tea to, to talk about. I, that um, might be, that might be one of those uh, fireside chats that we, we were talking about trying to do. It may be. Um, but the whole thing is, is, you know, I did go a little bit off the deep end, but right. you know, I was already kind of on that track to begin with. That just kind of, I, I took a little bit of a leap forward. At that point. Mm. And, um, 
So, I mean, different reactions, different situations, different, different kind of, I guess you could say starting points. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, those of you out there, like, like I said, um, five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Um, generally speaking, from what I understand now, I could be wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. Won't be the last. Uh, <laughs> they do, they do generally happen in that order, but it's not equals equal amounts of time in that right. order. So, um, the denial, uh, denial phase can be, you know, you don't spend a lot of time in the denial phase when, the person you love is is dying of cancer and you've known for months that they're going. You do spend some time there. That's not to make light of the situation, but you're not going to spend as much time there when you know it's coming. Um, I, was gonna, I, was, I was about to say, did you spend much time in the denial stage during any of that? Yeah. Any of those any of those situations? Oh, yeah. Um, my uh, my first love was was definitely i spent some i spent some time in that stage um and i think and my divorce i know mm -hmm. I, uh, I spent a little bit of time not much not as much time as as people that know me might think um i actually i left texas uh within a couple of months of of uh the ex-wife leaving so i didn't spend a ton of time in denial but they, uh, I was there for a minute. Um, my first love, yeah, it was hard because it was one of those phone calls I got and told me to open up to this page of the newspaper because that's back when, you know, newspapers were all the rage. Um, no, that was uh, – actually, I, I read the newspaper every day. I did. I loved it. It was just – it was easy. But um, I opened it up and I turned to the page and – saw the article and that's how I found out. Mm -hmm. uh, so, mm -hmm. um, we weren't together at the time. Um, so I still loved her, but, um, we weren't together at the time and, um, I was in denial there for a good little while. Like it was hard for me to really, to really accept that they were gone. They were younger than me. Number one. And number two, um, like I said, uh, that, uh, she was murdered. Um, and I knew the person that did it, which adds another degree to it. And, um, so it was, it's, it's one of those things that even to this day, when every now and then, when I do think about her, it's, you know, it's, it's a positive thing when I think about her and, you know, it's, it's all that stuff, but catch me in the wrong mood and, and me thinking about her just like any other human being out there. Yeah, no, it, it'll still get me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. denial, I think, I think that's, that was the one situation I think that really, I spent the most time in denial, um, was, was with my first love, uh, what about you? Did you spend much? I mean, you had to have. I mean, it was so sudden, uh, other, and not to mention, and, and not to bring that up, dude. But I'm gonna bring it up anyway. I yeah, mean, when it comes, <laughs> I don't know. I, so I had to have spent some time in 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 that area. I don't. I don't. Not that I can remember. And here. And here's the reason why. 
Um, try to explain it. I want you to understand that everybody out there, myself included, um, you don't have to justify yourself. Yeah, I know. I know. So, but I'm going to explain it anyway. I mean, just because it, it, you know, fuck, it doesn't hurt anything to. So, the only reason why I say no is because that morning, and I've told this story, you know, a handful of times, and I'm not going to tell the whole story now. We can do that another day, but it's, it's in multiple episodes, so you're not going to miss it if you <laughs> if you listen through everything. Um, I think just from the start of that whole day of just, you know, seeing the truck there and wondering, you know, wondering why, like, he didn't check in with anybody and then going to work and then getting a phone call of, hey, we can't find him. And then another phone call of we're still looking. And then when I get home and then they say, oh, yeah, a helicopter spotted him. And he was, you know, 100 yards behind the house into another field. It, it's kind of like the moment that I heard the we can't find him, it kind of already clicked. You know, because like I've already know I knew that he was having issues and he was having problems and he was battling and he had already done, you know, some stuff to himself before. So when I got that phone call of. Hey, we can't find him and we're still looking for him or, you know, it was like, we can't find him. Like, what do you mean you can't find him? And they're like, well, we, we can't find him like he's not anywhere that we would normally look. So it was that moment when it kind of in my brain, I was always, I was already like, Holy shit. I think he killed himself and the whole rest of the day. And then driving home, I kind of, I have this tendency to like normalize negative situations in my head while like the whole thing is playing out basically, because then what it does is it helps me like mitigate the, aftermath but which is probably not healthy at all which is why a lot of the times when something which is why a lot of times when negative things happen and like traumatic things happen it kind of just like just kind of bounces off because i've already processed it in my brain quickly to make sure that like you know don't have to fucking deal with it so um kind of did the same thing and when i got home you know my mom and dad, they tell you, hey, you know, they found him. Helicopter found him. Um, he was wearing the same stuff he was wearing the night before. So they knew exactly what to look for. And it didn't take him long. You know, they could he was wearing a, a big, bright blue, like almost like this color, like Carolina blue sweatshirt. And it wasn't hard to find. It's not hard to miss Carolina blue laying on brown leaves <laughs> in the woods, you know. So they found it and, you know, they found him and. Um, even now, you know, when I go to my parents' house, every time we drive by, it was like that every time, every time we would drive by, I could look to the left and know exactly where he was. And I could get out and walk the 60 feet to go to the tree that he was laying on that they found. And, you know, my dad spray painted this big X on it. So we, we always knew where, but I always knew it's not hard to, to miss. And I know it sounds kind of weird, but it's like, you can kind of feel it. Like you don't really have to be around it. You can kind of feel it. And I used to run, um, well, when I was working out and took care of myself, which, you know, that was here nor there. But, um, when I would run that, that my, our neighborhood would go up the hill and I would run past that spot. 
I'd always kind of get this like glimmer of like something out of the corner of my eye and turn real quick and look. And it was always just kind of like, it's kind of like you, you, I could like feel him there. Right. You know, but you know, like I said, like denial, I know because I know I do a really, really terrible, awfully great job of normalizing trauma before it happens. And I know it sounds terrible, but I went right from denial to um, watching or skipping over denial and watching my parents fall apart to immediately going, oh, shit, I need to fucking pick up the slack here because they're clearly not going to be able to do it. So I jumped right through to just taking care of everything that I could possibly take care of. Right. And then I would take those moments laying in bed by myself to process everything. So I'd like listen to music. I wouldn't talk to anybody. My phone would blow up. It would be, I would ignore everybody and I would just kind of do it on my own. And then next thing you know, I'd wake up in the next morning and do the whole thing all over again and all over again and all over again. I've been doing it for 10, 10 years mm-hmm. because, and that was, you know, that was the one thing that we didn't, I didn't talk about was that when um, Madison was born, you know, it was only, uh, she was only like four days old, five days old from 10 year anniversary of my brother dying so having a newborn and dealing with the 10-year anniversary of your brother dying that's a whole emotional fucking train wreck like you don't even need a ticket to get on that ride that's just a free ride to wherever the fuck it's going you know and you just kind of get on and let it run its course and yeah so no like not denial no anger yes depression yes acceptance i yeah because there's nothing i do about it there was nothing that we could have done in that moment to change what happened because nobody had any idea he was there, right? Nobody had any idea where he was the night before. Like he just showed up to the house and that was it. Like the, that night, like two o'clock in the morning, he just shows up. Nobody knows he was there. You know, the only person that knew he left the house was his girlfriend and she didn't know where he was. So it's like, it's not like we knew that like he ran out the house. So everybody was going to go find him. We were already, um, what, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, we're already seven hours too late. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't, you can't do anything about it right now. The one thing that I do uh, have denial, I guess in denial in a way is that um, maybe it's not denial. I don't even know what stage you would call that was uh, maybe regret of not having those conversations with him beforehand because he tried to do a really good job of um, trying to protect me from stuff because he figured that if I didn't see it or I wasn't around it, then I wouldn't know that he was going through it. And I wouldn't be going through, like he thought like it was a disease, right? Like it would be, you know, like getting sick, like I'm going to catch it just because you have it. That's not how that works. Right. But little did he know, Ooh, excuse me. I got, Oh, wow. Excuse me. Um, little did he know that I was going through the same fucking thing at the same time that he was going through it. So it's kind of like if he would have known or I, you know, we would have just sat down to talk. We may have been able to hash out some stuff about what we were going through. And I'm not saying that would have fixed anything, but I think it would have helped me a little bit ease my mind some. But, you know, there's a lot of like there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that will never be said and never be answered. And I have to accept well, I that. Feel like, I feel like that's part of the, or that's the hardest part of acceptance is, is yeah. accepting the fact that you will never know the unknown. Yeah. You will never know anything more than you do now. Yeah. Uh, and that, I feel like as far as acceptance goes, I believe that's, you know, probably the most 
yeah. difficult aspect. Yeah. What about uh, do you ever have to deal with like bargaining? Because I, I mean, I did, and mine was very quick, and it's still, it it has never changed. Like that 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 stage will never will never change for me. Um, I guess a little bit with with the ex wife, but that was more bargaining with them. Yeah. Um, and it was less bargaining, more begging. Mm. But uh. So no, I mean really, I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, less bargaining, more questioning. Like why? Mm-hmm. I am why, and and that's not even my ex-wife. I knew why. Um, but like my my stepdad, um, my first love. I mean, uncle, aunt, um, couple of friends. Yeah, you know, it's I've I've had to deal with that you know why more less bargaining more more questioning as far as like why them why not necessarily why not me but why them right yeah yeah i did the same thing and it was all and i like i said mine was very quick and it always stays the same and and i know it in the grand scheme of thing it sounds a little morbid but um it has always been and always will be uh me over him and uh there's a text message that his uh girlfriend at the time sent me who we're still very close to who actually is uh having a baby and she will be that baby will be born i think next week actually yeah it's fucking awesome and um um we were talking about something um we were talking about i don't even remember how we got on that conversation you know we don't talk very like we talk but like when it comes to like my brother, it's very like sudden, like there's like a text message and it's kind of like, all right, we know where this is going. Like we know what kind of night this is going to be. And we're going to, we're going to talk some things out. And, you know, every time we talk, there's always something new and there's more and more that comes out about what happened or about who he was and stuff like that, that I, you know, I feel like I'm still getting to know and learn who my brother is, which I'm really grateful, but she remembers, uh, and I, I don't remember this and, um, I'm not saying it didn't happen because it probably very much did happen. But um, when she texted me, you know, the next day and, you know, she was apologizing for no reason whatsoever. Like she had nothing to apologize for. It wasn't her fault. It's nobody's fault. Um, she shared with me that I had told her that uh, she, that I wish it was me, not him, and that it should have been me, not him, and that I had planned on it being me before that without ever knowing that it was going to be him. And she shared that with me. And, um, again, I don't remember saying it, but knowing me, I don't doubt that I didn't say it. And I think I actually shared that with, I think I shared that with you or I shared it with Cody. I shared it with somebody because I just, you know, it was something that just kind of like hit me. And that was the, I think for me for bargaining when that situation came in, which may not be the right way to, for how that category is supposed to work, but, that bargaining was and always will be me over him because he had to me, he had so much left to give in the world and that I would honestly do anything to trade places for that. But you know, that maybe that's, that's maybe that's selfish. No, no, actually I feel like that's a heavy part of bargaining. Yeah. You know, is, is take me, not them. I mean, they've got so much more to give than I do. That's, you know, they have so much more left than I do. Take me, don't take them, you know, to just, you know, make this all a bad dream and and it be me rather. Absolutely. I feel like that's a heavy part of bargaining. You know, there's uh, that, there's a, there's a quote that I saw where it was, uh, 
um, the devil came for me but couldn't have me, so he took the next closest thing that he knew that I cared about. Yes. Right, no. and that's exactly how that feels, yeah. right? Exactly. Um, but no, when it comes to bargaining, I mean, I haven't gone through. I mean, you, yeah, no, that that's that makes sense. That's you know, and you've actually mentioned that a couple of times to me that you know, it's you know, it's less about you know him being gone and more about why didn't why wasn't it me? Because yeah. you know, you you, I mean, you put that man on a pedestal. You did. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that man, that man is, uh, you know, the twice the guy that I will ever be and, and twice the man that he'll, you know, than anybody else would ever be, you know, it's a hard living up to the expectation of who he is and who he was as a person and like what he expected out of people and like what he offered to people. It's hard to match that like with, with people today. Like you don't see that kind of character in a lot of people. And I think that was the thing. It was the character of the person who he was. Like it didn't really matter the shit that he was going through. It was a person that he, like I already knew all the shit he was going through. Didn't give a fuck. Right. Like it was the character. It was him as a man. It's what, you know, impressed me the most. And, you know, and also, you know, he was just, that was, I mean, that was just the kind of guy he is. And that's why like now, you know, I, choose who i put in my circle and who i allow in my life differently because of that because that's the expectation that i'm 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 seeing and seeking out of people where it's you know family job uh you know whatever it is like that's what i expect from people and those are the kind of people that i'm going to align myself with and that's what i've done you know with you and um, you know, I have the utmost respect for you, right? Like you, you remind me so much of, of my brother. Like it's fucking, it's wild, but like you and, and, uh, Brian and Adam and Matt, you know, yeah, like they're, you know, they're, they're weird, you know, they're, they're nerds. They're a little different, but at the end of the day, it's the character that, you know, that's what, that's why, you know, Adam and I have been, you know, we were friends in high school and we lost, track and we came back together and that's why we're friends now it's because you know it's just that character of the person who he is and that's the expectation that i've set for myself and i don't have any problem with that and i don't have any problem with saying that if you can't match that then you know i'm not saying that you and i won't be friends but what i'm saying is is you're not going to get uh granted certain access like other people will well and that's and that's okay yes that's i mean those of you out there that, you know, have the, these friends on different levels or acquaintances on different levels, you know, just because they're your friend doesn't mean you have to let them all the way in. Yep. All right. Um, yeah. But now I obviously you and I have both, you know, have gone through the depression aspect oh, yeah. of, of the five stages of grief. And sometimes, you know, and that's one thing I, I think this is the this is the stage that really reflects the. It, you don't necessarily do it in order. Um, no. You don't necessarily spend, you know, equal equal amounts of time because, I mean, less so now with a family and being as happy as I am. But for a long time there, I would slip back into depression. Yeah. Um, you know, during a, during any tough period of time in my life, you know, my my stepdad Daryl, he was always there and so so when he wasn't any longer i think was 
now anytime there's a tough period of my life where I need where I feel I need a little direction, there is that little flash of depression and and also flash of anger. Um, Mm -hmm. That's kind of tied to the depression that, you know, if only he was here, I I could ask, Um, you know, I've, I've said it a hundred times, you know, they have those, those memes on Facebook. If you could spend an hour on the bench and talk to anybody living your dad, who would it be? And, you know, I hear, I see a lot of, you know, Gandhi and, you know, um, whoever Pope John Paul. Right. Um, but me, it would be him and it will always, and it will always be him. Um, he was, he was a rock in my life for a very hard period of time for me, um, in my childhood. And I feel like, yeah, there's, there's still somewhat, not as much, like I said, because I do have other things that I focus on now and other things that I feel eclipse the, the feeling of depression that, that does come, but you know, or I shouldn't say eclipse, but at least lifts me out of as, as severe of a depression as I could get into. Um, but yeah, anytime there's a hard decision or a hard point in time in my life where I have, a, I, I, there's too many options or I don't know which option would be best, or I just wish I could sound off with somebody and it's not, it's never, I wish I could sound off with somebody. I wish I could sound off with him. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it is. You know, and, and dude, and you said it actually, you said it really well is when you said the uh, anger and depression, they link together. And that's the other part about grief is that, again, when you know, I say we normalize the human reactions, it's normalize the idea that all this stuff is linked together. Like you're not going to get one without the other. Yeah. You know, you're not going to go through all this stuff without the other. It just may you might be stuck, not stuck, but you might be on a stage longer than others. Right. I still deal with depression. Like we, that's why we do this, right? We still deal with depression stuff and we yeah. still deal with anxiety and you know, I slip in and out all the time, you know, but you know, I could be fine one moment and then suddenly it'll just hit me and I'll be in it for a few hours and then I'll come back out of it. Like it just happens, you know, it's just, yeah. it's just the way of life. And that's okay. Like it's okay. That's why we, we always preach. It's okay to not be okay because it's, I think when we start normalizing, you know, living with it and learning how to live with it, it becomes more manageable and you can endure it and you can minimize the after effects. Yeah. And that's, and that's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just babbled there for a second, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. It's yeah. I, you know, the, these, you know, these, we, we, we talk about them like they're as they are stages, but they're not complete and independent, completely independent from each other. Right. Um, I mean, anger and depression are often very close bedfellows. They, right. I mean, really, um, it's a fine line between anger and depression. Right. All right. And so go ahead, finish. And I think that's, you know, I, I, you make a good point. I think that's something that we need to be okay with that, you know, these, yeah. the, these feelings are okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay to be angry. I mean, Dan, it's okay to be angry with your brother. Yeah. It is. And it's okay for me to be angry with, you know, my ex, which is, you know, always, um, <laughs> no, actually I'm sorry, but no, it's, it's okay for me to be angry with my stepdad because he's not here anymore and he doesn't have yeah. a relationship with my daughter. I mean, it's, yeah. it, that is okay, but you can't let it rule you. Yeah, right. 
And see, you you touched on it because now I'm angry for new reasons because I'm going to be angry at the fact that she or that he won't have the relationship with my daughter. Right. So she only gets to know him through stories now. She's never going to get to know who he actually is. Right. So that's that's the hard part. Right. So, um, Dan, we could keep going and going and going about this. Good. I think I I think we can we can pull this over to a second part of the on the next episode. Yeah, I think that'd be good. So, so with the last few minutes, let me. uh, Do you have uh, do you have any tattoos? I don't know if I. I do not have tattoos. I've always wanted tattoo, but I so so I got three, and I got um I got this one here. I don't know if you can see it. Oh. Oh yeah. yeah, All right, yeah. so I got yeah, I got that one. That one's for my brother, and then I got semicolon on the wrist, and I got I, my arm won't turn this way. Can I invert this? No. Okay, so anyways, it says till death on the forearm, right? So we got till death. My wife and I, we had a um, tattooist come out to our wedding and do micro tattoos, and that was our gift to everybody at the wedding. And the dude tattooed like over like ninety five something people, like it was insane. But we did. Uh, we both had till death on our forearm and I got the semicolon and you know, if everybody knows semicolon is the like universal sign for, you know, suicide prevention and all that. And really what it means is, I, you know, I did not know that. Oh, you didn't know that? I did not. Know oh yeah. That. So it's like the universal sign. So basically what it, what it dictates is that, you know, when you write a sentence, when you end the sentence, you add a period when you are, continuing the sentence you add a semicolon right so it you know yeah. it's basically your story is not ending you know so i wanted you know i we chose till death because it was more of like you know we'll love each other until you know we die right and for me it was a little bit different because i don't, I don't think i've ever admitted this before but for me it was different was because like i know that with the you know the struggles and stuff that i've had for myself and my you know past history with you know, attempting and things like that. The till death was really, you know, I will like I will love you until that day is, whether that day is fifty years from now or tomorrow, you know, whether it's, you know, natural or not natural causes, like it's going that's like I'm going to love you until that last moment, right? And the semicolon was not only for um not only for myself, but it was in remembrance of my brother and remembrance of anybody else that's ever gone through anything like that right so like there are people who see this when i'm walking down the street and they look at it and they kind of like give you that look right like that look of like like hey like that kind of thing right we're just like hey like i got you i see you that type of thing and that's what that's there for and if anybody ever sees you know somebody with a semicolon like understand that somebody like those people will be willing to talk to you about stuff like it is there. It is a like their coat of armor. Like they are here to talk to you about things. Don't hesitate to talk to them. Right. And again, that's why we do this podcast. You know, we're here to try to help you out and help you endure situations and, you know, just kind of remind you that, yeah, man, like life sucks. And, you know, there's always going to be a struggle, but, you know, pick the people that, you know, pick somebody that you are willing to go through the struggle with and you know understand that like life isn't easy but nothing's easy right the great stuff isn't easy the good stuff isn't easy but don't forget to give yourself grace like it's gonna be okay <laughs> hi penny well well said that is that is my daughter she's done being alone and I'm hi penny 
That is about that time period, right? It is. And I'm impressed she lasted as long as she did. <laughs> Hi, Penny. Uh, and you know what? This is this is probably one of the the greatest <laughs> fighters of depression that I have go. ever known. This little girl. Um, and that's the you know, and that and that's that's all I got, honestly. And she's yeah, there we go. Um <laughs> So I'm, I'm messing honestly, with Brady's daughter. Sorry. Um, I think Brady is done for, yep. for um, just ask his daughter. Uh, <laughs> and you should get back to yours. Um, so, so what are you saying, Brady? Is this, uh, you going to, you going to say it out? Good time to wrap it up. And just, uh, just remember it's okay to not be okay. Can you say hi? I'm Penny. I am Penny. <laughs> oh man! So this is uh, has been uh, another episode of Men in Your Life, unapologetically human. I'm Dan. I'm Brady. And <laughs> you say I'm Penny. I'm Penny. Yes, there we go. And uh, you know we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. We're back. I promise. We're back. Everybody have. We're back. back. We're back. Everybody have a safe weekend. We'll have, we'll have more, more fun next week. Oh, yeah. Everybody have a safe weekend. Brady, you have a safe weekend. Bye, Penny. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>